It is time now for Making Sense of the Markets with Lori Pinkowski. Lori is the Senior Vice President and Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Genuity. Good morning, Lori. Good morning, Timmy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. But more importantly, how are you? Because it feels like the markets were on a real roller coaster this week. They they were definitely, uh, but we're seeing a, a lot of green today. Markets are up strongly this morning. All indices are up uh, just around 1%. I mean, the Dow is up close to 400 points, so erasing some of those losses uh, from earlier this week. Um, as you know, on Monday, we had uh, one of the worst days since May. Uh, so it isn't surprising to see a bit of a bounce here. We have the Fed speaking today, and it's expected they will talk about some tapering of stimulus. Um, and so we'll have to see what they have to say there. But also, uh, a lot of this pullback over the past week has to do uh, with China uh, and has to do with uh, the largest real estate developer, Evergrande, uh, that was and is close to defaulting on their loans. And so when people hear things like that, uh, it kind of gives them the heebie-jeebies. They start thinking about Lehman Brothers and the collapse and contagion and, and how, you know, one big company can affect a whole bunch of others. And uh, they have a total market uh, cap of, uh, they have about $3 billion in debt, I should say. Um, and so it's a very large company. The real estate sector uh, makes up about 25% of Chinese GDP. So again, if something really were to happen to this company uh, and the Chinese government doesn't step in, uh, then of course it could lead to something else. And so again, we're always on top of this. We started watching this story early last week um, and, and making some decisions based on that, right? Because you don't know sometimes how these things turn out. Again, you know, our belief is, is that uh, China will step in and, and things will be okay. But again, you have to have a plan B for if they don't and something uh, bigger would happen in, in the market. So, so again, you know, September, October is a little uh, usually weaker. Jittery? Um, yeah, jittery a little. I think <laughs> yeah. a lot of people mentioned October. It's because of the crash of 87 many, many years ago. Uh, but September historically is the weaker month. And just remember, markets tend to be stronger mid-October to March. And it's not that it always works that way, uh, but it's something that investors should be aware of. And again, remember, when you have some softness in the market, it does create some opportunity and some stocks that maybe have run away from you. So, so don't panic. Don't run for the hills. Uh, understand the story that's developing or hopefully your financial advisor is on top of it and they understand the story so that they're able to make uh, insightful and logical decisions for you uh, when we do see some of this weakness. Right, and there's some corporate earnings that are still coming in, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're seeing uh, earnings still coming in in a strong manner and the economy will likely look to pick up steam again as cases have started to peak globally with COVID. So we saw U.S. retail sales expand by 0.7% in August, which shows uh, how the latest wave has not really slowed down the U.S. consumer uh, as much as expected. But of course, it has slowed where we've seen in travel, right? People aren't flying as much. People are canceling trips, all that kind of stuff. So again, it, it, it really is important to have active management, to have a team that's on top of this stuff uh, and not just, you know, uh, going through uh, wild market volatility blindly, right? right? Like you need to understand what's going on. And it's surprising uh, how many uh, advisors are not watching all of the news all the time. Yeah, let's talk about that. Like managing risk in the markets when you've got these kind of volatile times. Do you have to have a strategy for that? And what is the strategy? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, volatility markets go hand in hand, right? And what you want to look at is when a, when a story starts developing, you know, what we're looking at, or if markets start to show some signs of weakness, we're, we're taking some profits, right? Um, in some stocks that, you know, maybe have come up too far too fast, uh, some, some positions that maybe could experience a larger correction, should markets have a larger correction, there's just some stocks that are more volatile than others, right? Um, you know, when you think of, uh, you know, TELUS and, and Amazon, they may not be as volatile as some of the other positions that we own. So again, we may be keeping those during times like this. Um, again, diversifying across multiple sectors, right? So it's important to have exposure to growth stocks, but as well, value companies as well, right? You don't want to be all in one sector. You don't want to be all in into technology or into mining or industrials. I mean, this market recovery has shown us that sectors keep changing. Almost every two months, there's a new flavor of the day. So again, you have to stay on top of it. And last but not least is holding cash when needed, right? Cash can be king uh, in short-term volatility. It doesn't mean you move your whole portfolio to cash and trigger all these taxes and, like I said, run for the hills. But it is important to have some, as we say, powder dry, to have that cash cushion uh, in volatile times. And also having cash to, to you know, take advantage of some of those opportunities in the market uh, when we do see, you know, one, two, three week sell off, right? There's some companies we've been waiting to add. And now this is the time. Uh, how did the election affect the markets, by the way, this week, Lori? Uh, well, the election didn't affect the markets, but it could affect certain sectors, right? Um, you know, the Liberals uh, did campaign on uh, kind of proposing increasing the tax rate on large banks and insurance companies from 15 to 18%, which is something we'll monitor. It could obviously affect the bottom line for some of those companies that we do own. Um, and also Liberals pledged to help reduce housing prices by limiting foreign ownership um, and possibly having an anti-flipping tax on houses owned for less than a year. And again, we all want to see kind of, you know, real estate settle down. We want young people to be able to buy their first home and so on. Uh, but you have to be careful of how, you know, how much they do kind of put to work here um, and increase taxes because you don't want the real estate market to fall uh, incredibly, right? Uh, that could affect the economy in general. So again, it's it's important to be watching these stories and wa watching what they do over the next, you know, six to 12 months. Uh, because again, it may not affect the stock market directly or minimally, uh, but as Canadians, it could affect us quite a bit and it, as well the housing market. I think that's probably the, the one of the main things we need to watch just because again, all over Canada, prices have gone up substantially over the last 12, uh, 18 months. And it's important to see uh, where they go from here. And again, I always ad advise people only take on as much mortgage uh, as you can pay, not just at the rate that we're seeing today, but if rates go up, right, because they're expected to go up uh, the second half of next year. And that doesn't mean just one time. That means they could go up for months and, and years going forward. Right. And, and your mortgage payments when you renew could be a lot higher than what you first signed up for. So again, always take a look at that as well. It must be a tough balance for people in your line of work, Lori, because you have to balance the concerns that people have with people also calling you and wanting to talk to you unnecessarily, like worrying unnecessarily <laughs> versus when they're asking the right questions. 
It's true. Well, what we have is more of a sleep at night strategy for our clients. I mean, as you know, I've been dealing with retirees for 20 years and I always say there's not a chance for them to make it up again. Right. So we take, um, you know, what we do about managing downside risk. Um, you know, we use a rules based discipline. So we're taking the emotion out of investing, uh, when we're looking at buying or selling positions, especially selling positions. Right. Um, you know, where we have stop losses on all of our positions. So we're making sure that we don't just allow a stock to just go down and down and down. Um, you know, we're going to draw that line in the sand to, to get out of that position if needed. So, so people see like, even when there's a little bit of a correction, they see a little bit of cash in their accounts, everything's transparent. They can, um, you know, look at their account every evening and see what we've done. Uh, so I would say, again, with the active management, it's a lot different than a buy and hold strategy. Remember, buy and hold is more like set it and forget it. You know, when I think of buy and hold, I see a lot of, um, you know, people come to us with their statements from other advisors and they may hold a whole bunch of mutual funds that really haven't been changed ever. Uh, or maybe once a year, there's a little bit of, um, you know, trading in and out of funds or, or also stocks, right? Like I see a portfolio that has 20 to 30 of the largest companies in Canada and the U S so like not, they're not, the advisor's not really thinking outside the box, I guess I would say. Um, and they're just owning, you know, what moves the index most and uh, putting that in your portfolio. And they're not really making changes on that as well. So I feel that in the industry, there's a lot of advisors charging a fee to do really nothing, uh, in your portfolio. And so you have to be prepared and, and like I said, have that plan B in case this, you know, ever grand situation becomes worse, right? Like, what are you going to do about it? Just hold on and hope for the best? No, uh, you need to make sure that your portfolio is being watched. Uh, the portfolios are being um, changed when needed, right? And I, and I came up with some questions to ask yourself, um, you know, because a lot of people don't know if their portfolio is being actively managed. They have no idea. They think it is because they pay a fee for it. But then right. when I see it, I'm like, no, I don't think so. And so, you know, does your advisor just tell you not to worry? You're in it for the long term when you ask questions about a, a downturn. Uh, do they make necessary changes in your portfolio when market conditions change, right? Think of March 2020. Did they do anything or did they just sit tight? Because things like banks and energy came down substantially. And what did well coming out of that pandemic was not what was doing well going into the pandemic. So again, changes had to be made. Uh, are they investing in individual equities or just mutual funds? Are they on top of global news? Could they ask, right. could you ask them about Evergrande? Would they have any opinion or about the Fed? Uh, it's surprising how many people don't actually watch the news on a daily basis. And do you feel you're in a set it and forget it type strategy? Uh, you know, do you feel you can sleep at night when with your financial advisor strategy, right? A lot of people are nervous because they feel yeah. their financial advisor isn't doing anything about it. So, so again, those are some questions to ask yourself to figure out if you are indeed uh, paying a fee for a real active management. Right. Oh, Lori, thank you so much for that this morning. Thanks, Amy. Have a great week. You too. Lori Pinkowski is the Senior Vice President and Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Genuity. If you want to reach her team directly, you can contact them 604-695-LORI or visit their website at pinkowski.ca.